This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. When's the last time your dad kissed you on the mouth? I mean, not in a long time. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Which is a show that I love, but I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. That's right. Well, it's been uh, an interesting week. Everything's been pretty quiet, except as soon as we get ready to start doing this podcast, my neighbor started playing his songs again. You may remember this is the neighbor that Brian yelled at last week to stop, and it seemed like he was going to. And he did. Like, for a whole week, we didn't hear anything. And then just today, honestly, like an hour ago, we just started hearing the I just, I hate him so much right now. Me too. Me too. We've been watching... Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I uh, think the reboot is pretty funny. It's great. Uh, we were both pretty big fans of the old show. I mean, we watched the old show. Yeah, it was just one of those shows that was just on when you were a kid. I don't know that I ever really liked Saved by the Bell, but I definitely consumed all of it. Yeah, I, I consumed all of it and then consumed it again and again. But the new series does a great job of like being super self-aware and kind of making fun of the old one, but also sort of tackling some of the same subject matters in a modern way. And it's very funny. Kind of like Kimmy Schmidt or the or 30 Rock if you're into those shows. Yeah, it's got like the pacing of like Kimmy Schmidt, I feel like. But um, I like it. I think it's fun. We also decided to watch the pilot of the college years. And clearly they did not have the rights to use all of the music that was in the original show. This was so funny. They set up that you're not allowed to have parties in the dorms. But the show ends in a big party in the dorm, of course. Where people are dancing and asking each other to dance. Yeah, just everyone's bouncing around, having drinks, having a great time. But there's no music playing. (laughs) And their RA comes in and breaks up their completely silent party. The show's also, it doesn't hold up. It starts with Zach Morris going into like a girl's dorm room and refusing to leave. And it's supposed to be a joke, but really it's like, you don't know these girls, man. You should leave their bedroom. Anyway, if you want to hear our thoughts on Saved by the Bell, give us a call. (laughs) Yeah, call us, please. Don't text, call. Well, should we get into our modern day shows, Brian? (laughs) Well, these shows aren't modern, but yes, we should. All right. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls, and we watched Season 2, Episode 5, Nick and Nora, Sid and Nancy. Brian, why don't you tell the audience what happened? It's Rory's first day back at school, and Paris is trying to make her life a living hell, so she'll get off of the newspaper. And Luke's troubled nephew, Jesse, is getting kicked out of his mother's house and is coming to live with Luke. And Luke is not prepared to deal with this teen. Jesse? Is, is it Jess? It's Jess. I was close. For me, that's amazing. Yeah. Jesse isn't saved by the bell, so I see why you're confused. Yeah, I was just so excited to see Jess. <laughs> so the episode starts at Luke's Cafe, where Rory is super excited to go to school because it's her first day, and she's so nervous she's going to be late. And Lane shows up and is like, hey, can you buy a bunch of CDs for me? Which I guess CDs are hard to come by? I'm kind of confused. Maybe there's no music store in Stars Hollow? Aren't there like CD clubs? I feel like, I guess maybe she wouldn't be able to be on one because of her mother. She's got a huge book. What was that book? I think it was just different CDs that exist. Is it Mojo? I don't know. I do think it's weird though that like I was like locked into a CD of the month club. You were? One of those like, oh, you can get seven CDs for a cent, but then you got to buy like 15 other CDs. This sounds vaguely familiar, but not something I was a part of. It's great for that first batch of CDs. And then you're like, I don't, I don't need more CDs than this. 
And then we hear Luke on the phone angrily yelling at his sister, and we find out that his nephew is going to come live with him because I guess his sister can't handle it. Also, Taylor Dosey brings a bunch of Boy Scouts in, and there's a funny, a couple of funny lines. You were Boy Scout. I was a Boy Scout. I'm an Eagle Scout. And if I'm being honest with you guys, my um, Scoutmaster actually did kiss me a couple of times. What? And yeah. In the mouth? Yes, he's kissed me in the mouth. Not That's not where he generally kissed me, but yes, he kissed me in the mouth. What are you admitting right now? What's happening? I'm just, te- this is 100% true. My Scoutmaster kissed me sometimes. Uh, he's given me, um, like, I don't know, back rubs uh, before. He's asked me about girls. My dad was my scoutmaster, so it's a little less weird. Oh, God. <laughs> your dad from this podcast? Yes, my dad. Yes, you forgot. Yeah, my dad from this podcast. Okay, so when's the last time your dad kissed you on the mouth? I mean, not in a long time. I It has happened. At some point, I was like, that's enough. I mean, that was a couple weeks ago, I think. Yeah, and he had COVID. <laughs> yeah, he had COVID. It's like, not during COVID times, Dad, okay? We'll okay. Just- well, kiss each other's hands and then put them up to our lips. That was all very dark and topical. <laughs> <laughs> then what? So Rory's having some troubles at school. She's trying to avoid Max Medina, which is difficult because he's her teacher still, which is uh, confusing to me because he's still like her lit teacher, I guess. I had same teachers more than once, like for different subjects in different years. But did you have them for the same subject over subsequent years? I had the same. Well, I went to a private Christian school, mm-hmm. so we had a, a religion class every semester. I had the same teacher for multiple religion classes. I think I had the same teacher for freshman science that I did for biology. Okay, well, maybe other people did it. It just seemed weird to me. She's also having trouble with Paris. Paris hates her for thinking that she was going to... I don't even understand what Paris is mad about I mean, there was the whole Tristan thing, but, like, it must be more than that. I can only imagine that it's because Tristan was into Rory and not into Paris. Yeah, but also just that she showed up and is, like, doing well. Yeah. And is competition to Paris. I think before she maybe had very little competition. Paris's actions are like honestly like psychotic in this episode. Like unforgivable. Like I don't understand how we can ever forgive her for this stuff. Like in season one, it was sort of like a redemption arc and she sort of became friends with Rory. But now it's like, no, man, I don't like you. I hope bad things happen to you. Yeah. So Paris is just like immediately mean to her. Rory's like, hey, can we bury the hatchet? Like we're gonna, we don't have to be friends, but we're gonna be on the newspaper together. Could we just like be civil? And Paris is like, yeah, sure. And then lies to her about what time the meeting starts. That's so mean. So yeah, I know. That's like irresponsible even. Like that's the sort of manipulation that like isn't okay because I don't know. It's a lie. I don't know. I guess it's her goal to try to get her to get frustrated and quit the paper. Right. Madeline and Louise are also working for the paper. They didn't know you had to participate on the weekends. And Louise says something like, my weekends, I need my weekends. All of this, pointing to her face, gets done on the weekends. Like, what are you, you put your makeup on on the weekend, leave it on all week? Like, what? That's not how, like, beauty works. You don't just do everything ahead of time. I'm telling you, honey, you spend too much time getting ready. You just need to get ready every Sunday and you'll be set for the week. I guess. You just got to get really ready. You put on each day's worth of makeup and, <laughs> and then just you just peel off a layer every morning. Maybe. So Rory shows up. She's late and the like student advisor gives her like some grief for that. And Paris, like, oh, she's so excited to give her, like, the shittiest assignment. She's got to, like, cover some concrete getting poured in the parking lot. 
So Rory's all like, I'll do it, and I'll do it all happily. No matter what you do to me, I'm not going away. We're going to be working on this paper together. You're not going to make me quit. So you better just deal with it and learn that I'm a good writer and just like let me do good things here instead of making me do shitty things. Rory comes back the next day with a completed article, and the student advisor is like, oh, wow, I can't believe Rory did such a great story on the concrete being poured and like turned it into a thing about how like all things become obsolete. And it's also a thousand words. And having worked on newspapers in college, that's way too many words for that story. But also like... No, what are you turning it into? This should be like a quick news story. No one gives a shit about the concrete, let alone does that warrant any space on a paper. Yeah, I I was like, who is finding this interesting? But I I believe it was good. I believe it was good because they told us it was. But like, honestly, as a newspaper writer or an editor, I'd be like, no, this is not what the story's about. I'm actually fascinated in this going forward because Rory, as you know, seems to be into journalism. So Mm -hmm. this won't be the first newspaper scene, which you wrote for a couple newspapers. So I'm interested interested to see your thoughts on that going forward. Yeah, I worked for a newspaper in high school and then in college and then briefly for an actual newspaper. So Paris observes an uncomfortable moment between Rory and Max Medina in the hallway. They seem to not want to talk to each other, but that seems odd considering they're going to be father-daughter, right? Yeah, Rory also doesn't handle it well. She's all like, and like turns around and runs. I'm like, you just walk past with your head down, lady. I was kind of expecting them both to just like run away cartoon style. (laughs) But Paris was staring at her like cartoon villain style. Like, oh, what's this? Yes. And so, of course, the next day when she returns with that like perfect story and the student advisor is like, we should give a really good story to Rory next time. Paris is like, yes, I have the perfect story and gives her the front page above the flap story about the teacher that was rated most popular. What the hell is this paper? Like, that's your number one story? Here's a popular teacher and here's an expose on them? I mean, who's reading this paper? Is it just the high school students? That's probably what I want to read more than the concrete story. I don't know. I hear the concrete story is very emotional. But the most popular teacher, of course, is Mr. Medina. Mr. Max Arturo Medina. We found out his middle name this episode. Rory interviews him and it goes great. She pauses her little recorder and is like, I wish you were my daddy. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Is that that, not how she said it? I think the way you said it, it's coming across like a different intention. Oh, okay. She said, I wish you were my stepfather. And then he was like, I was really hoping you would be my daughter. And then they just fucking go at each other. And it's like, okay, you could be in the paper. Good thing they turned the recorder off. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a well-written story. We don't see the aftermath of it, but Lorelai at some point sees it. The big storyline in this episode, though, really, is the introduction of Luke's nephew, Jess. Yes. Luke's nephew, Jess, is coming, and Lorelai tries to give Luke advice. And Luke's like, I don't need your advice. I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to give him space and let him live his life. But, of course, it is more complicated. Yeah, Lorelai... Is like, hey, I have a kid. I kind of know what you got to do. And he's just like buying cereal and air mattresses and trying to, he thinks he knows what he's doing, but maybe he should kind of listen to Lorelai since she has a kid and Luke's maybe like not even seen this kid in the last decade. Right. First impressions? Um, Muscular. Uh, Yeah, what? He's going to a lot of places, but none of them seem to be the gym, but somehow dude is jacked. Yeah, mostly in his titties. They are like saucers, just like firm domes. And I would say he's definitely like a broader man now that he's in his 40s, but when he's here in his early 20s, he's like very muscular but skinny mm-hmm. and wearing very tight sweaters. Yeah. I had thoughts. Yeah, I know. You closed your eyes at some point and I, I was like, what are you doing? So first thought is muscular? Okay. No, first thought is this kid is uh, garbage. 
He's he's just like such a bad attitude, which I get. He comes in, uh, he doesn't want to talk to Luke. He drops, he just dumps all his stuff out. I notice he's got some books, and then he's essentially just like, I'm out of here. I don't need keys. He grabs a book and he leaves. Don't know where he's going. No. But he seems to clearly hate this town immediately. You said he's from New York? I don't think they said that in this episode, but I am pretty sure he's from New York. I wish they would have told us that, because he just seemed like he's in a terrible mood and we don't know why, so it's hard to like feel empathy for him. I know. You really don't like him in this episode. No, he's just like an angry, moody piece of shit without a justification for it, other than like... Family life's rough. He seems to eventually develop a somewhat normal relationship with Rory in the episode, I would say. I don't know if I would call it normal. But, like, at least he's human and respectful of her somewhat. But he's super disrespectful of, like, Luke. Luke comes home, and he's just sitting there, and he won't answer Luke's questions, and he, like, makes fun of Luke for asking so many, like, reasonable questions. He just starts smoking. Yeah, he's on his, like, third cigarette, just in the house with the windows closed. I would be like, well, I wouldn't smoke, but also I would be like, Is it okay if I smoke here? Or I would just smoke out the window. That's like the most I would possibly do. But Luke's strategy to handle all this just seems to be to kind of let it go and let the kid get it all out without intervening too much. Which part of me is like, maybe that is the thing to do. Like, he's going to be in a bad mood. It's not like you're going to be able to say anything that's going to snap him out of it. Maybe you just need to like let him fume for a little while. He tries to introduce Jess to Lorelai. Lorelai's like all excited to meet him, but of course he barely says anything. If I were Jess, I would be like, oh, this is Luke's girlfriend. The way he introduces her. He's like, oh, I want you to meet someone. Yeah. And then Lorelai suggests that Luke and Jess come over to her house for dinner to hang out with her and Rory. She's like, Sugi will cook. Rory will be there. I'm like, Rory has a boyfriend. You don't like just get to decide that Rory's going to hang out with a new guy. Like Dean probably wouldn't be okay with that. Also, is Suki free? Was Suki going to cook for you tonight anyway? Now, while I 100 thousand million percent agree with you we've learned that suki apparently will just do whatever lorelei bids like yeah (laughs) so you know like yeah suki probably will be free if lorelei wants that to be the case it's just not the first time that she's decided what suki wants yeah totally suki's making food i will point out that they make garlic bread in the oven um but max medina specifically showed them how to use the broiler to make garlic bread so i don't understand why they didn't learn that relationship didn't work out maybe he did it wrong That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Suki explained like, oh, you shouldn't use the broiler for that. Yeah. Jackson's freaking out about how good his lemons are. I get Jess's like being overwhelmed in this scene and like, yeah, the town is a bit much. Yeah. Each person's a bit much. So I get him being like, oh, I hate this. Jess shows up and just immediately like walks into Rory's room without asking, which I was like, what are you doing, man? I didn't think this was that weird. Her room's right off the kitchen. The adults are all right there. Like, Lorelai wants those two to interact, apparently. I, it's, it's someone's bedroom, though. Like, I could see, like, standing in the doorway, sure, but, like, I would just never walk into someone's room. I'm also a vampire, so I can't. <laughs> I don't know. She wasn't, like, sleeping. Sure. I mean, people are different, I guess. I just would not do that. If I knew someone my age was coming over to meet me, I would expect that he would be coming in my room at some point. I think it's weird that he just goes in. Maybe if she wasn't in her room, but, I mean... I don't know. I I didn't think it was weird at all. What do you guys think? Is it weird? He just starts going over her books and she's like, do you read? He's like, no, which we know is a lot because we saw him read before and he had books. Mm -hmm. He pulls the book Howl off the shelf and she's like, oh, it's a great book. Do you want me to loan it to him? He's like, nah. God, he's a piece of shit. Uh, But he like takes it anyway, I guess. We don't know that until later. He proposes that they escape out the window together and blow off this party. And she's like, I'm a good girl. I only have sex with my teacher. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird because it's like, where are you going, man? Like, and you just met this girl. Do you want her to go with you? Oh, yeah. And then she's like, no, we should stay. And he's like, you don't even know me. And I'm like, you were just about to take her outside and go on a date. Like, you don't know her. 
Yeah. How is that different than you two staying here together? He says he's going to grab a soda, but really he grabs a beer and then like goes out on the back porch and then takes a long time to try to get the lid off. Lorelai discovers him. And she's like, tries to play it cool, like, oh, I'll take that beer. Um, you should go inside. Like, this place will get a lot better. Yeah, I mean, she tries to relate to him because she was like kind of a bad kid, too. And he's like, I'm having none of this pep talk, lady. I don't know. I don't know if there is a good way that would be accepted by like a hormonal teenager. Right. It, yeah. I mean, she's not like being super firm, but she is kind of like, listen, let me tell you some advice that you didn't ask for. He just like goes off on her. You know, he's like, you don't know me, which is true. She doesn't. I don't think she was out of line necessarily. It is her house and he just tried to steal one of her beers. Yeah. And she didn't yell at him for that. Yeah. And, but he just like really chews her up. And then so she just like walks inside and is like, that kid's not cool. Yeah. Like he's got more problems than you think, Luke. And Luke then is like, stop being so condescending. I'm sick of you telling me how to raise my kid. And I kind of see his point for a little bit here. But then he says, you know, you got pregnant when you're 16. That doesn't really say that suggest you're that smart, which is like, I, I mean, come on, man. That's a low blow. She was 16 when that happened. And also, you can't pretend she doesn't have far more experience than you in raising a kid. Yeah, he thinks he's got it under control, but, like, clearly he does not. It's almost like he just has got caught not knowing what he's doing, and now he's, like, defensive about it, so he insults her. So this night ends abruptly, at least the Luke and Jess portion. I do want to point out it's kind of funny that Lorelai is also known for just, like, going out the window when she doesn't want to be at a dinner party. Yeah, totally. I have been saying to you that I didn't know high school you, but you strike me as maybe of a, a bit of a Jess. Yeah, maybe. Like you sort of were a reader. Brooding, reading, moody, huge pecs. <laughs> I don't know that that's not true, but I don't remember seeing pecs of huge pecs. No. When I was a freshman in college, I had some muscle. In high school, I did not. But I don't know that you would have been like this disrespectful to strangers. No. I also wasn't getting kicked out of my house, so... Like, I definitely, like, talk back to my parents and stuff like that, like like a moody kid might. But, I, yeah, I didn't have, like, the kind of broken family life that he clearly has. But maybe you were a piece of shit, too, Brian. Maybe. Maybe I'm Jess. So Lorelai and Luke are having a fight, and Lorelai can't bring herself to go into the store to get coffee. So she sends Rory in, and Rory tries to order two, and Luke's like, I'm not going to give you two. Which is, again, God, these are like, I know these are adults, but they have the emotions and behavior of children. Yeah, why wouldn't he want the money? Oh, I know why. Okay. Because they don't even pay anyway, so it doesn't matter. Why would he give away two Danish that nobody's paying for? Yeah, they didn't, she didn't pay. They, like, never pay. And Rory definitely didn't pay this time. No. And also at the beginning of the episode, when she took those donuts, she also did not pay. But then Luke finds out Jess has maybe stolen, like, charity money from a jar and maybe stolen Babette's gnome. Goes to school to confront him. And he's like, did you do this? She's like, no, I didn't do it. But Luke doesn't believe him. He says that it's not convincing. Now we finally find out why Jess doesn't like Luke. Because he's essentially like, you pulled me out of my home. You brought me here. So he's blaming Luke for all this. In my mind, I was like, aren't you blaming your mother? Yeah, Luke didn't ask for this. Luke, like, really didn't want this. Yeah. His sister just told him she was sending him. Luke gets really mad and pushes him into the lake. <laughs> it's very funny. They're just, like, storming off down this little bridge. And he just pushes him in the water. Too bad we didn't see him wet. <laughs> we saw you wet after that scene. Ooh, you saw it? Yeah, I looked over. I was like, open your eyes. Not that it's justifiable at all, but I guess I get stealing money. But why would you steal someone's gnome? Like, it's not even the gnome of the person who's annoying you. Like, she's, he's mad at Lorelai. Steal something of Lorelai's. Why would you steal their neighbor's gnome? How does that benefit you? 
It's crazy. It's nonsensical. I hated that decision. It was done to be funny, and I didn't think it was. Some of the jokes in discovering this gnome thing were funny, but the stealing of the gnome itself is not funny. What is he going to, is he going to sell it? Like, why does he keep it? So Luke just shows up at Lorelai's house, you know, just shows up randomly like he is wont to do. And is like, you're right. I'm wrong. I don't know how to raise a kid. And she's all like, you got to be kind of stern. And he's like, cool. He goes back to his house and sets just like a ton of ground rules down and throws a bunch of nicotine gum at Jess. He's like, you're going to stop smoking. And also like, here's the rules. But he still lets Jess go out like to just wherever, which I'm kind of surprised. Like, what are, what rules did you set down? Because it sounded like you set a curfew, but then you just let him go. Yeah, I mean, he's learning. Jess finds Rory coming out of like a bookshop because this town is about one mile wide. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, hey, I uh, have your, he does like a magic trick for her. And then he also does another magic trick where he shows the book that he, quote unquote, borrowed slash stole from her. And he wrote a bunch of stuff in the margins. I know this is supposed to be romantic and she takes it well, but I would be annoyed if someone like wrote up in my book. Doesn't she say at some point she likes to write in the margins in a different episode? I can't remember. It's just like super egotistical that he was just like, yeah, she wants to know what I think about this book. Even if he is an expert on it, it's just kind of like, all right, man, she doesn't even fucking know you right now. But she did seem to like that. Yeah. She just like walks away from him, kind of looking back at him, reading some of the notes, all giggle, giggle. Clearly they're setting up to have a relationship. And she seems to be the only person that he likes at all in this town. I want her to be with Jess anyway. You do? Yeah, Dean's dumb, man. But you also hate Jess. Yeah, that doesn't mean they're not going to fix him. Okay. They're going to fix him. Just like they fixed Paris in season one, and they're probably going to freaking fix her season two in a way. They they broke Paris again. I don't know why they unfixed her. Yeah, I don't know. Paris sucks. This episode didn't have any Dean in it. I think Dean probably got too hot, and they were like, we got to write in somebody else. Dean's going to want to start doing adult movies. (laughs) And then she calls Jess Dodger at the end. But we get that reference from the book. I didn't get the reference on my own. It's because you don't read very much. Well, it's because I have my eyes shut. (laughs) Okay. Is so hot. I have an idea of what team you're on. I uh, you, you don't know what team I'm on. Um, and I don't remember thinking he was super hot at the time. Actually, well, he Even is. He was like my age when I watched this in the first place. Well, it's weird that you say that because I may have mentioned this in the podcast before. But like watching Buffy, I, when I watched it, I never was like, oh my god, the cast is so hot. Like intellectually, I knew that they were attractive. But at some point, I was actually attracted to Allison Hannigan. I thought she was, like, really cute. But, like, watching it now, I'm like, Charisma Carpenter is actually very pretty. Yeah. And so is Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, I, I, again, I always knew that conceptually. But, like, watching it now, I'm like, no, they're, like, all very attractive. Which is weird because before they were supposed to be hot to you because they were adults. But now they're children to us and we think they're hot? No, I mean, Charisma Carpenter is still my age, so that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> But even Xander Harris, like uh, Nicholas Brendan, I feel like he's hot. Yeah, it's hard for me to buy him as like a nerd. Yeah, I mean, he's not a model necessarily, but he is attractive. They kind of dress him weird, but like, no, his face and his body are, are just fine. So do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? I don't know. I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was bad. There were some funny jokes, but it wasn't the funniest episode ever. And, like, I get that they're setting up Jess, but he really was unlikable. So you just don't really enjoy the scenes that he's in. Yeah. But I don't think it was bad. I don't think there were a lot of flaws with it. Mm-hmm. But, no, I wasn't blown away. It didn't have too many, like, laugh-out-loud moments, really. Like, none of the jokes were, like, that good, I feel like. No. I guess Paris was annoying, too, but they're, again, they're setting something up with that, I think. But there was just, like, too many, like, unbelievably villainous people. Like, Paris and Jess is like, I don't like either of you, and I, I don't have a reason to understand your POV here. I guess we'll see. We'll see. 
Paris and Jess. I'm shipping them. They can Paris make and e- Jess? Yeah. They can make each other unhappy. I'm really excited about it. Oh, them. man. I feel like they would not be a good couple. Oh, yeah. I know. That's the point. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed, Season 2, Episode 5, She's a man, baby, a man. When Phoebe starts to have visions and feelings of a seductress who kills men, the Charmed Ones cast a spell to uncover the demon. But there's a glitch. The seductress is a man? Is that the glitch? Yeah, I mean, we need to break this down. Okay, so she has visions and feelings of a seductress? You know, when you just can, like, feel that there's a seductress nearby? But it's not even like feeling that there's this, it's feelings of a seductress. What does that mean? Is she experiencing the feelings? That's. Oh, maybe. Okay. Okay. So she's just, she's going to sleepy sleep. She's going to sleep. She just watched Gilmore Girls and she's just like, oh, Jess. Oh, yeah. That wasn't out yet. (laughs) She's Uh, having visions of future TV She has magic. She can, she's time traveled. She's got the whole show on DVD. Got it. She's closing her eyes. And then she starts having these visions, and then she feels like she's the seductress. Okay. Well, I mean, based on the title of the episode, is the seductress actually a man? I feel like Phoebe gets turned into a man as bait. Oh, I like that. Like, they use the spell, and they're like, to capture, it's like, oh, but I got turned into a man. And this is hilarious, like, she's a man, and she's got a pee standing up, and it's like really funny. Well, I think this episode is really empowering for female villains. I guess so, yeah. Sure. You don't see a lot of that in this show. It seems like it's always like an evil man. So it's nice that the woman gets to be evil for once and the women are fighting a woman. But they do need to turn into a man to fight the woman. So then, yeah, it kind of negates all that. Also, I can't get over this. It should be like, but there's a hitch. Glitch is like a computer thing. I'm going to Google glitch. So it's a sudden, usually temporary malfunction or irregularity of equipment. So, yeah, it is like a, a technical thing. Yeah, like that wouldn't even work. You couldn't even use it as a spell, like the spell glitch. It would be like there was a mistake. Well, maybe they were too close to the computer when they did the spell and like somehow made her a man. Yep. Sounds good to me. I just want to point out it couldn't have been a glitch, all right? I haven't seen the episode and I'm mad about the misuse of the word. I was on a newspaper, okay? This is Ben. Meanwhile on Charmed. All right, so then we watched Buffy Season 2, Episode 5, Reptile Boy. Stacey, what happened to Reptile Boy? Yeah, so Buffy's still, you know, struggling with should I or shouldn't I with Angel? Should I just keep being a high school student and not do my vampire duties? And Giles is like, of course you can't be regular. So she rebels by going to a fraternity party where she almost gets eaten by like a rapey snake demon. Yeah. Great. So it starts with the gang hanging out at Buffy's house. They are too broke to go to the bronze. They've gone to the bronze every day since we've known them. So they're finally out of money. (laughs) And they're watching like an Indian movie that Willow seems to somehow understand, but they don't. Uh, Willow also is wearing overalls, drinking from a juice box, holding a stuffed animal at a house that isn't hers, and holding like a pretzel, and they're braiding her hair. (laughs) So it's like, we get it. Willow's in her 20s, and we want to believe she's 16. (laughs) 
I feel like this was relatable at the time to me. Friends are getting together and watching like a crappy movie because there's nothing to do. But like the idea of there not being enough content now is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like back then, it's like, oh, we've, there's the only thing we have to watch is this movie that's on TV that's garbage that we can kind of make fun of. Like now it's like, no, there's something we haven't all seen. That's true. There's Buffy. Yeah. But yeah, they're sitting so close together. Like all of their heads are like right next to each other. And there's plenty of room for them to not be that close. Anyway, cut to a girl escaping from a very, very big house where you don't have to sit right next to your friends. And she's running away and she hops over a fence into a graveyard. But a bunch of hooded figures are chasing her and they catch her and they take her back with them. Yeah, I want to point out that whoever was in the wardrobe and bought these like cultist robes for this episode, um, they got their money's worth because I'm sure they use these a million more times. <laughs> At school, Cordelia is hanging out with a friend who has no lines and she's telling her all about how important it is to get guys by listening to them, but then just laughing at everything they say. And this comes back a lot in this episode where she's just like fake laughing and it's annoying. Buffy, we find out, is having a bunch of sex dreams about Angel. She doesn't say that, but, like, she says that. Yeah, it's clear. We're introduced to Cordelia's love interest of the day, which is a fraternity boy named Richard. He shows up at school. She fake laughs. There's this other guy who calls himself Tom Warner, and he's just, like, drawn to Buffy, just, like, babbling on and on. But she seems, like, tricked by this somehow. He doesn't even seem charming. (laughs) Yeah, and she's just, like, totally smitten. I don't know why. Xander's not into this. Xander has obviously still got the hots for Buffy, at least on some level. And I feel like this episode finally strikes the balance that makes sense for him. Where, like, he's sort of encouraging her to do things that will keep her single and maybe available for him one day without, like, actively, like... Demanding she can't see people? Yeah, or, like, being someone that you would stop being friends with. Giles is, like, super mean in this episode. He's, like, really coming down hard on Buffy for not practicing enough. And, like... Mm -hmm. But it does sound like Buffy's maybe been skipping practice. I don't know. I feel like this... Like, every other episode, it's, like, Buffy's being responsible and doing cool shit. And then a couple episodes later, she'll be like, no, you know what? I want to have a normal life. Screw you, Giles. It's just an ongoing problem. This show requires a lot of suspension of disbelief, and I'm down to do that. But when you really watch it, occasionally that disbelief is hard to suspend. Like, for instance, she keeps going on patrols, but it's like, when is she patrolling? Like She can't constantly patrol. Yeah, there's like three hours of the day that I'm guessing she can patrol. Like, she does need to do homework and sleep. Like, what if a vampire thing happens during those times? Yeah, and, like, is the vampire situation so out of control that, like, every night there's vampires coming? They also set up that there hasn't been anything bad happening for a while. So, yeah. like, she hasn't had to patrol. Also, what is patrolling? In this episode, it means looking for necklaces. I mean, I guess in my head it's like she walks to the graveyard to see if any vampires wake up. But, again, she's only doing it during, like, a certain period of time. Like, she's not there all day, all night. And if there's no fresh graves, there's not going to be any vampires. I don't know. The patrolling thing stays with the show forever, but it's sort of nonsensical. Yeah. And also, we're supposed to be on Buffy's side when everyone's like, you should be, you know, taking this more seriously. And she's like, I want to have a normal life. It's like, you're not going to have that, though. But you pointed out, then, if she's got a patrol, the Watchers Council should be giving her money. Oh, absolutely. She shouldn't be broke if she's, like, solely responsible for saving the world constantly. Right. And again, I'm picking apart the show, right? Because like when I said that, it's like she should be taking this more seriously. This should be her whole life. But then also, if that, then like she should be getting paid handsomely, by the way, for doing this and have like a freaking support team. Yeah. This is all very interesting stuff I'm talking about that I want to dive into more, but I can't. Why? Because we'll dive into it later? Yeah. 
Buffy and Giles do a bit of training in this episode. Do they, like, lock the door to the library when they do this? Like, Giles is in, like, costumes half the time. And if someone just walks in on this, he would get fired. You think Snyder would? He's, like, always, like, tracking them down. Which also, I still don't understand why Giles needs this teacher job. Like, he just hangs out with Buffy at her house. Does he not get paid enough by the Watchers Council? Does the Watchers Council need money? Like, they're not paying their employees very well. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why he has to, like, moonlight as this librarian. I know his books are there, but, like, does he just have his own books at his own house, too? You'd think he'd be like, hey, Buffy, I'm going to give you my librarian money. Yeah. It's just, it seems like a lot. And it's not a very good cover when you're, like, in a generally busy room of a high school doing all your secret work. Although it doesn't really seem like anyone ever goes to the library. Anyway, Buffy is on patrol. (laughs) Angel shows up and she's found a necklace which doesn't appear to have blood on it, but Angel says it smells like there's blood on it. And then they have this like very dramatic, vague conversation about how they can't be together. And he's like, one thing would lead to another. And we're like, what? Like you would be having sex and then he would bite you? Is that what you mean? Or just like you'd get attached and then you'd have to get married and that's complicated? Like I just don't understand what level of relationship we're talking about here. Like what's... What's leading to another thing? We can extrapolate that it might mean you're going to grow old and die, Buffy, and I won't. But that doesn't seem to be what he's saying. Buffy and Angel's big fight culminates in, like, are they going to get coffee? Mm Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to get coffee with her because that'll lead to fucking. So And he only drinks blood. Yeah. So we, we learn that these frat boys that Cordelia is into are a, like, cult of some sort or they're doing some kind of ritual. And we see them initiating a new boy into the fraternity And we see that the girl who they were chasing away in the beginning is locked up in the basement. They're saving her for something for later. But how do they, like, recruit people for this frat? Like, do they just set up their little table at college orientation with the rest of the fraternities? Like, hey, you want to drink beer and maybe have a weird demon living in your basement? They probably just look for anyone who's, like, bought a snake in the last year. Maybe. (laughs) Like... Hey, you into snakes? But Cordelia, for some reason, needs Buffy to come to this party. The frat boys want Buffy. I don't exactly know why. Because that one guy likes her. I mean, ultimately, they're using these girls for their snake god. So maybe he just knows that, like, Buffy's that snake god's type. Yeah, I mean, it's... You might be able to argue that he, like, can feel what the god wants or something like that. We don't see any of that, so I'm really I'm really trying to justify something we don't. Yeah, I just, like, why does it need it? to be Buffy? Yeah. Because I don't think even his feelings for Buffy are real. Those are the two hottest people at that school, though, for sure. Buffy and Cordelia? Yeah. Yeah, that we've seen, I think. Yeah. Buffy lies to Giles so she can go to this party by saying her mom is sick, and Giles is like, oh, yes, of course, don't go. I guess patrolling is sort of fruitless and pointless. Yes, if your mom's sick, there won't be demons, so don't worry about it. Xander decides he's going to go to the party to protect Buffy, which is a great idea in the long run. Cordelia drives Buffy to the party. They're really committing to this Cordelia's a bad driver bit. Buffy shows up in a little black dress. Cordelia specifically told her not to wear black when she laid out all these rules, so that was weird. I thought the scenes with Cordelia and uh, Buffy were kind of funny, by the way, in this episode. Yeah. She's, like, trying to be your friend, but she's so shallow and selfish, it's hard for her. I know, she's so shitty, but it's, it's growing on me, Cordelia. They're passing out these, like, tiny little drinks... Which, I mean, I get why now, but... Yeah, like, you asked why, and I'm like, oh, well, wait a second. I'm just like, what are these... If you go to, like, a fancy cocktail bar, you might have a very strong drink with not much liquid, but that's not what college kids are drinking. Yeah. You're drinking, like, big-ass glasses of beer, like this one super drunk guy that comes, like, barreling at Buffy. <laughs> he just, like, saw a woman and came charging at her. But Buffy's guy that's into her, Tom... 
He rescues her and dances with her and makes her feel special. He keeps playing up how mature he is and stuff and how she's being too mature and needs to relax more. This is all a ploy to get her to drink. Yeah. I mean, maybe she is kind of into him just because she seems to be into mature guys and he seems into her, unlike Angel. Yeah, it's like a midway point. You know what I mean? Like She wants to date a guy who's a few years older than her so that she can date a guy who's a few centuries older than her. This episode has convinced me that Buffy and Giles should date. <laughs> I mean, that's the next step, right? I mean, there is there is like a weird tension between them and she does want a mature man <laughs> that won't bite her. Who yes. always uses protection. <laughs> So Buffy caves and drinks this tiny, tiny drink. She slams it, and then she appears to be wasted. I was like, oh, wow. She must have had, like, ten more of those off camera to get this drunk because she's just, like, stumbling around. Meanwhile, Xander's been discovered as the nerd at the party, even though he looks fine. He's wearing a red shirt, which makes him stand out, I guess. Well, they just don't recognize him. They're a fraternity. They they all know each other. But they make him, like, dress like a woman and make fun of him, and it's not nice. I don't know that I was offended by it because this is definitely behavior that frats do i don't think this would be written in a tv show now though yeah so buffy stumbles upstairs to pass out on a bed which i i guess is what they wanted to happen but like buffy don't do that (laughs) stumble outside of the front yard or something don't go to a bedroom but maybe she was too out of her mind to be thinking about that i just seems like not a position you want to put yourself in at a frat party creepy guy number one that's supposed to be dating cordelia comes up and is gonna maybe date rape buffy and then tom walks in is like no we don't do that these women are for the pleasure of the one that we serve and he's like oh my god my bad you're right i got carried away i forgot these were for the pleasure of the one that we serve i'm not trying to be a bad dude here (laughs) (laughs) and then we pan over and cordelia is also on the floor drugged meanwhile giles and willow are putting the stories together they found out that this girl's been missing for a while they found out the necklace meant or the bracelet said kent from a school they find the girl that had run away in the beginning that she's a missing person then giles like we got to call buffy and she's covering for buff she's like no let's call angel angel shows up and then willow just kind of yells at both giles and angel like giles you're being too mean to buffy angel just love her already like give the girl some coffee willow's just kind of staring at angel's non-reflection and she asks him how he shaves i'm like how does he shave (laughs) so they all go to the frat house They find Xander there. He's found a robe in the trash. I don't know why they threw one away, but he's going to sneak in to the basement to try to rescue Buffy because he realizes that Cordelia's car is there, so Mm -hmm. Buffy must still be in the house even though the party's over. Meanwhile, Buffy and Cordelia are all chained up in the basement with the girl from the beginning. She's like, you're not getting out of here. I don't get why they captured these two the night of the party. And then her a different day, and they've just been saving her for like three days. It doesn't make sense. Like It seemed like the party was the event to get the girls for yeah. the sacrifice. And it seems like they maybe needed three girls. Especially since they're not like using the women for themselves, you know? It's kind of like, then why did you grab this woman early? Yeah, it must be that the demon has like a type. Yeah. They needed three specific women and they got to take them when they can get them. But we discover that Tom was really the leader of this group and not Cordelia's Richard, which wasn't surprising. That seemed like it was supposed to be a reveal. But I was like, no, this guy was clearly the sleaze ball the whole time. He's yeah. got diamonds on his chest. Scar diamonds. He's not like fabulous. Yes. But their god is Makita. Makita. There's always chanting Makita. And he needs his yearly offerings. And, and Giles and Willow's research has revealed that girls have gone missing seemingly once a year for years and years and years. Makita's clearly supposed to be Yig, right? Sure. From, from Lovecraft? Yeah. Like the snake god? I feel like he's supposed to be. Maybe he's not. He's just a rando snake god. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 
So he comes out of a hole in the ground, kind of like a genie. Like he's he's like attached to the hole in the ground via a big old tail. Yeah. They call him a snake, but it, it feels more like a genie. It looks fine. It looks fine. It's not fine. the best teach, uh, creature design. It looks better than the mantis did. Yeah. The lights are on more in this episode. <laughs> They're not trying to hide it as much, but he's clearly wearing like a snake shirt. A couple things about this scene though, right? For one, it's like they say they're going to feed them to the snake guy, mm-hmm. but it's sort of implied. I feel like that the snake guy's going to do more than just eat them. Like he's going to like sexually assault them somehow first. Yeah. Because they said they were, don't you dare like have sex with these women because we're there for the pleasure of the one we serve. Yeah. And it seems like if he's just going to eat them, it wouldn't matter if they had had sex. Yeah. And then also, though, it's like this snake dude's about to eat them. Buffy says some nasty words to the snake guy. And then Tom or whatever comes up to her and is like, say another word and I'll kill you. It's like, well, I mean, that's probably better than snake boy eating you slowly. Yeah, I think I would rather like have my throat sliced and I'm dead than like be eaten alive by a snake man. Yeah. Especially the way snakes eat. You might be alive inside the snake for a while. Yeah, good point. Uh, So slice away, Tom. But Buffy's super strong, so she gets out of the chains, and and then she uses the sword that Tom's been threatening her with to kill the snake. Yeah, just one swipe fucking murders that dude. But yeah. Oh, also, fucking Angel shouldn't have been able to get inside that fraternity. The frat boy says to Xander, come on in, and I guess that applied to Angel too, but it feels like that's like, that, that rule doesn't work. <laughs> Because he's definitely letting Xander in. He's not saying, like, everybody that's outside, come on in. It kind of just ends with, like, Cordelia and Buffy telling Tom he's going to jail. And then we find out that they are going to jail, like, in the paper. And Xander's reading an article, probably that Rory wrote, about how men that are much older in corporations have been kind of linked to this going back in time, killing these women every year. No, their companies are falling apart because their god's not giving them any help anymore. Yes, that's why they were doing this. The The snake god was somehow making them the rich frat boys that they were. I don't know how he transfers money to them from his little snake hole. I guess he's a god. I don't think he is a god, though. I think he's just a demon. The only reason I mention that is because there seems to be a very specific distinction later on in the Buffy mythology. Okay. So I think he's just some sort of demon, and I don't even think he's like a full demon. But he causes them like luck and fortune, yeah. much like... Which is also kind of Lovecraftian, like Cthulhu, or Dagon, rather. Well, good for them, but not anymore because they killed him. But what about the snake body? God, that's just like really the part of being a slayer that sucks, right? Not just the killing. It's like, okay, now we got to dispose of this body. I feel like that's on the Watcher's Council, unless they pay Buffy more. Yeah, and my question, who did this, though? Did they do it? Like, who got rid of the reptile body? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that the, the police disposed of the house since they found all the bodies. But yeah, did, did they get rid of the demon? Now, we've already seen Snyder sort of cover up some stuff, right? Yeah. When he's talking to the police. But you'd think that Buffy or Xander or Willow would have a line like, we definitely left a giant reptile boy body. Did the cops just not notice that? Apparently they all have money again because they're back at the bronze. Maybe Buffy got paid for this. Jonathan, he's back and he's got a name this episode. He's with Cordelia because Cordelia's into younger guys now. It seems like they're dating, but it mostly seems like he's working for her. He's like her coffee boy. But Angel shows up. He's like, Buffy. She's like, Angel. And Xander's like, Xander. That was funny. (laughs) He's like, I thought maybe you wanted to get some coffee sometime. And Buffy's like, yeah, I'll let you know when I'm ready. We're like, what? You just whined this whole episode how Angel doesn't want to be with you. And now you're going to like be coy about it? She, like, walks away, too. I'm like, where are you going? She walks away, like, in the next episode, I'll be ready. But, like, tell him that. Cordelia's knocking on this guy's door. Every time Angel shows up, she's, like, hugging him. So if you want this guy, I wouldn't just, 
I don't know. I don't know. Stop playing hard to get. He got you. This is why Intel doesn't want to date a 16-year-old. He's like, okay, these mind games are dumb. It's not the first time she's done this. Yeah, no. He's like, all right, what, what is game do we have to play now? Okay, I have to ask you out for coffee, and then we'll do it later? What? Okay. Because it's either her or that 90-year-old woman lives next to me that's closer to my age. <laughs> yeah. And that woman is coy as shit, so I don't know <laughs> what to do. Okay, Brian. Was this a good episode of Buffy? No. But I do think it was kind of funny. Yeah. I feel like they found a good place for Xander as far as his like level of jealousy and how it's being portrayed. For now. They won me over with him a little bit before and then put him right back down. Yeah. No, I just mean that I, I do. I feel like in this one, they struck a good balance. Yes. I also thought Cordelia was especially funny in this one. Yeah. I liked when she like blames Buffy at the end, too. She's like, every time I'm with you guys, you guys make weird stuff happen. <laughs> So which show do you think was better? It's rough because I don't think either were particularly standout episodes. Yeah. But I think I'm going to go Gilmore just because I feel like that was maybe an average Gilmore episode. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of a bad Buffy. Yeah. And you? I'm really torn again. I think it was a bad Buffy. But I didn't feel, I feel like this Gilmore wasn't particularly funny. True. And I know that Gilmore isn't like, we're a full-time comedy. And, like, Paris's actions really bothered me. I don't know. So I, I think I'm going to go Buffy. Okay. Even though I will readily admit it was not a good Buffy episode. Yeah. And I, I don't, it wasn't a crazy good Gilmore episode. I just feel like Buffy was, like, a little funnier. I think Buffy had more flaws. Yeah. Just compared to Buffy's overall. I just feel I enjoyed this episode of Buffy more than I enjoyed the Gilmore Girl episode. And I enjoyed Gilmore more. That's okay. These were both bad episodes. I well, you like... got to stare at Jess the whole time. So... As did you. <laughs> As did I, yes. <laughs> I think because they were both bad episodes, we are just reverting to our comfort zones. That might be true. Nostalgia wins. Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on either or both of these episodes. Like, was it weird that Jess went in Rory's room? Not at all, right? Is it pretentious or, like, rude that he just wrote in her margins? Or is it, like, super cute and romantic? Given, again, that they've met once for a few minutes. What is going on with Angel and Buffy? Why won't they? Also, I want to point out to any of our listeners out there that we do need to be careful about spoilers if you're leaving comments. Uh, as yes. We have not seen either show. I have not seen Gilmore Girls, so I might have some questions about Gilmore Girls that you could answer for me and you shouldn't. Uh, so just keep that in mind. We're doing our best to avoid spoilers for each other's shows. So let us know what's safe to know and what you thought about everything. Uh, you can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on our podcast. You may remember that I direct a sketch comedy team, and if you're listening to this the day it came out, December 22nd, we have a show tonight premiering on YouTube at 8 p.m. You can watch it and participate in the chat by going to afterschoolsnacksketch.com. That'll take you to the YouTube link. If you want to watch along, next week we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 2, Episode 6, Halloween, which is a great episode, one of my favorites. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 6, Presenting Lorelai Gilmore. Well, that's going to be it for us. You guys have a great week, and happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, happy holiday. Let's go make some cocoa. Yeah. Bye.